Welcome to this week in interview. I am your host, Anthony Drago. It's um, always a pleasure on a Wednesday night. I, I really look forward to my time that I spend with you on a Wednesday night as we explore different topics where I have conversations with interesting people and I have the pleasure of, of sharing those conversations with you. This week in interview, as you know, um, is intended to bring information to you from a different perspective. Um, I try my best not to just be an echo to what's going on in popular media, what you can see on TV, because I always, I always make the claim that if, if what I'm doing, you can find it by turning on your TV or your, or, or your other radio station, then there's no need for, there's no need for me. But this wicked interview has proven to be a very interesting program. I'm, if I can say so myself, we get feedback from you. We've succeeded in, um, having conversations with, with people of, of such interest um, because of what they do, because of their experience, because of their training, because of, of, of the way they live their lives. We have conversations with them and we learn from, from their experiences. Tonight is no exception. Tonight our topic, um, we're going to be talking about St. Vincent. We're going to be talking to, about, to a brother um, from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And um, let's be going to learn a little bit about St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Lately, we've been on a, on a Caribbean tour. A few weeks ago, we spoke with someone from St. Kitts, Nevis. Um, last episode, we had we spoke to a brother from Haiti. And um, last week, we didn't have because it was, was Thanksgiving. I gave you an opportunity to enjoy your turkey. Uh, I hope that you give thanks. You give thanks for the correct um, things in your life. I know there's there's a lot of pushback against the celebration of Thanksgiving in the traditional American sense of Thanksgiving um, because there are certain people who do not consider the encounter between the Europeans and the, and the persons who were living in, on, on this continent to, to be anything to give thanks for. But um, I approach my Thanksgiving as being grateful for, for all the things I've my life, including you, including this weekend interview. So I hope you had a good Thanksgiving break and um, that you, you're ready to end the year with a bang and, and to start the new one with an even much louder bang. Um, when we start the new year, of course, we'll be looking forward to January 21st and after. But, you know, we've met, we've met challenges like that before and we've overcome them. So let me not take up too much more of your time. If tonight is your first time listening to this weekend interview, I want to say welcome and thank you for joining us. I hope by the end of the hour that you will have found that it is worth your time and you will become a regular listener. For you, the regular listeners, you know I, I appreciate your time. Every week I, I appreciate the fact that you 
you make us, you make me and this weekend interview part of your weekly schedule. And I never take that for granted because I know we're all very busy and we have a lot of stuff that um, is competing for our attention. So I appreciate the ears um, that listen to me. And I hope, I hope that I, I reward you with information that's a little you know, different from what, from what you would get in regular media. But you regular listeners, you know, I, I, every night I, I play my part in my passion that I have. I feel the passion that I feel for Caribbean unity. And I, I play the CARICOM anthem, uh, as it's done by Mikael Henderson. She does a, a very a brilliant job um, presenting the, the CARICOM anthem. We have some, some of that to talk about, um, the whole quest of Caribbean unity and we as a people moving forward. But before we do that, let's listen to Mikael Henderson as she does the CARICOM anthem. When we come back, we are going to be joined by, as I said, our brother from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. His name is um, Malcolm Garway. And we, we are going to be just exploring life in St. Vincent. We'll talk a little politics. We'll talk some social activities. And we'll talk about all the other things that's going on. Uh, unfortunately, St. Vincent um, suffered from some flooding. I think yesterday they suffered from some flooding. Uh, water, you know, damage caused by inclement weather. And that also is, is, is a topic that we'll discuss. But let's listen to Mikael as she does the anthem. And uh, when we come back, we'll be joined by our brother from St. Vincent, Malcolm Garway. Stay tuned. From many distant lands, our forefathers came. Some seeking adventure, some bound in chains. So beautifully done. Uh, Mikael Henderson doing the CARICOM anthem. I almost I, I would like to say the CARICOM national anthem, but of course, CARICOM is not yet a nation. Let's take a quick word from our from our sponsor. Let's get that piece of business out of the way. And um, we'll be right back after. You know, there are many choices when it comes to domain registration, web hosting, and dedicated servers. But I have to tell you about Jocko hosting. They're simply the best. With their 99.9% .9 uptime guarantee, 24-7 sales and support teams, you'll never have to worry. Get in touch with them today. They offer plenty of other products and services like SSL certificates, managed WordPress, and more. 
Call or click today, 480-624-2500. Jocko.com. That's J-A-C-H-Q-O.com. A G&D Enterprises, Inc.com service. As I was saying before, when I at the top of the show when I started, I um, this is three weeks in a row um, that we're having guests from from different islands. Um, okay. We had my other brother from from Saint Kitts, Mister Allen, from Saint Kitts, Nevis, um, and then we had our, our brother from um, the, the honorary consul. Um, for Haiti in Toronto, we had him last time uh, talking about Haiti and some of the challenges and the opportunities that exist in Haiti. And um, of course, tonight we have you from St. Vincent and the Grenadines 
And we, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm super excited for this conversation. So, you know, we have listeners from from all over the region. Um, from all, from we have Trinidad, we have um, Grenada, we have Dominica, we have Saint Lucia. You know, just to name a few. I I know we have some persons listening to us from all over the world, and so because of that, all our listeners may not be as intimately familiar with St. Vincent and the Grenadines as we would like them to be. And because I'm always advocating that we as Caribbean people are one people, I want to take this opportunity to, to, to give you the chance to just tell people some basic things about St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So, for example, um, if if somebody come up to you to Toronto and they said I'm going to I'm going to on vacation in Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, um, what is one what is the one area the one feature? I'm putting you on the spot that you would you would advise them to go visit. I mean, is, uh, I'm sure Saint Vincent has several things to see and do, but what is the one of the more popular things um, that you recommend to to a visitor to Saint Vincent? Well, certainly. Um... Again, well, let me say, um, in light of what you just mentioned about the wide range of listeners we have, mm-hmm. let me extend greetings, though not so warm, um, from up here, to all the listeners in the Caribbean and wherever you are across the world, hail up to the people of Trinidad, the OECS folks, um, Jamaica, wherever you are. I'm happy to be able to reach out to you tonight. Yes, of course, St. Vincent and the Grenadines is is an attractive country and a host of things that a visitor can target and and places they can visit. I must must speak about our lovely beaches, um, the best of which are in the Grenadines. Um, A tour in the Grenadines... If you visit St. Vincent and Grenadines, it would be a must. And then a tour up the Leeward Coast with our lush um, green hills and, uh, and waterfalls. It, those are things that uh, one can take in. So there's no end of things to do in St. Vincent and Grenadines and places to visit. Of course, the Windward Coast is there. You can take in the scenery of the wide Atlantic Ocean and the and the, the waterfront in those areas. And the, those of us who are more adventurous may well wish to take a climb up the, up the Sufre volcano. So <laughs> well, please plan a trip to St. Vincent and Grenadine sometime. <laughs> you make me want to go. I was, just <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say after that, you make me want to go to St. Vincent and and the great, unfortunately, <laughs> I have never been. I have never been to Saint Vincent and the Grenadines, and um, that's you know that's something that we really have to advocate as as Caribbean people is that we visit, we visit it all the more. We go to London, we go to the US, we go you know all over the place, and we don't go to, we don't plan enough vacations to to our our sister islands. So now that you yeah. told us a little bit about Saint Vincent. Um, Let's let let's get the listeners familiar with who you know, Malcolm Garways. Um, <laughs> tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some background, you know, and, and so on. Well, um, Malcolm Garway is just a small speck in the scheme of things, really. Um, growing up back in the hills of Rose Hall in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, 
and I spent my life there as a, a teacher, where I taught in elementary school, um, secondary school, as well as working as a headmaster for several years before I came over to Canada. Of course, St. Vincent and the Grenadines provided me with very good formative years through my involvement in scouting, 4-H clubs, farmers associations, etc. So I come out of a society that year where organization was crucial. So in my village, for example, on any given day, everyone would have some sort of meeting to attend, whether it was your cricket club or your 4-H club or the girls' red cross, etc., etc. So um, when I came to Canada, I felt the need to do likewise. Um, hence my involvement here with the St. Vincent and the Grenadines Associations once I came to Canada. Um, indeed, just not long after I came to Canada, I was recalled by my political party, the United People's Movement, where I contested elections that is way back in 1979 in the North constituency. Of, of course, our party did not do exceptionally well. It was a young group, but it was a good start. But um, after that, I found the need to come back to Canada, where I continued my um, community work, mainly with the St. Vincent and Grenadines Associations, among other organizations. Now right. the right. the St. Vincent and Grenadines Association mm -hmm. has served this community here for some five decades. Five decades. Are they about? Wow. <laughs> yes. Um one of the oldest associations. And we have um served our community locally through informative sessions, through benevolence and charity and uh, we have also served our community back in St. Vincent and the Grenadines through our adult um, Adopt-A-Child program through scholarship. And certainly, we have always had a vibrant relief committee which was ready to help in all forms of emergencies. Our most recent um, involvement in emergency would have been the December floods. Um, two years ago, that mm -hmm. was that call for serious mobilization. Probably the highlight of the work of the um, relief committee would have been back in '79, though, with the eruption of Sofraya, which in, um, saw the evacuation of a good portion of the people from the northern part of the island. So. Um, there's a few things I want to I want to follow up on um, in what you just said, but the first first things first, give us a little bit of detail about the Adopt a Child program. I find that very interesting. Well, this has this has been an ongoing um, program in the association where um, the two connections with groups in St. Vincent and Grenadines. The association will have um, a child in need identified, and once that child is identified, over the years, 
the association will provide and assist with um, financial um, help, mm-hmm. educational help, providing material and so on to get that child to go through school. And that has been a continuing thing of which um, the association has been very, very proud. So, you, you, so for um, example, you have, you have beneficiaries from that program who probably have gone to college and, and now work. That's correct. That's correct. Mm. Yeah. For my own self, um, I've served that organization. I'm very proud of the organization going on for con- continually for that period of time. Right now, the presidency held by Mrs. Prudence Martin, they're doing a wonderful job still. I myself have, well, really handed over in terms of leadership. I'm not in those positions at the moment. Um, I've served previously three terms as president. I've served in every every office of that association except the office of of treasurer. Um, as a matter of fact, one time once they are about there. Are Six other associations in Senegal associations across Canada, actually. And at one time, we had each of those, those associations are uh, provincially incorporated bodies. And at one time, we went move forward and establish a national council of Saint Vincent and Grenadines associations, which um, um, was a federally incorporated body. It's, it is not functioning anymore. Okay. But during the period, the late eighties into the nineties. That has been a vibrant organization helping to coordinate activities between the associations across Canada. I serve as president of that organization. I was very proud of it and I'm sorry that it did not continue with the same sort of a, um, longevity as the member associations. So, um, the the, the thing that I want to jump on is when you started, you said that when you were growing up in St. Vincent, everybody belonged to an organization. Um, everybody always had a meeting to go to a football association, cricket club, something. And, you know, that is also my experience. And, and I think that despite the amount of school and formal education that I have, a lot of these things that I, that that served me every day. A lot of the skills that I have, I got it from being involved in organization. So I I I, I note I made a, a mental note of that when you when you mentioned it, because I, I because that is probably something that um in in looking at the Caribbean and trying to chat out our way forward to see how we can how we can improve life in the Caribbean. That's probably something that we need to try to re reintroduce you know maybe maybe young people are not getting the opportunity to develop themselves um and all the social skills and and so on that they need because the the organizations are not as strong as they used to be but you have a you have a good point um you know i remember talking listening to a speech by stokely carmichael commentary and he he emphasizes he kept saying, organize, organize, organize. I don't matter what sort of organization it is, just belong, organize, organize, organize. And also there's um, 
one of my heroes from out of St. Vincent and the Grenadines <clears throat> is a man named um, Malzak. And he, he wrote a book called A Star to Stare By, one of my favorite books. And he referred to that sort of thing in his book, talking about you cannot sit back in a selfish way and try to achieve your own goals. You must get together and and push and unite and do things together. And he, his only regret, he said, was that he did not discover that philosophy earlier in his life. And you're right, for me too, a lot of things I go through, how I handle my own affairs, how I deal with people, how I interact, has come out of that sort of a organization um, experience. Um, it, in my case, it taught me how to bridge the gap because while we were in the forage club, I was the liaison officer for the Farmers Association. So you know how to sit with your elders and discuss and so on. And so I, I, I hope that message does get across and that our leadership in our villages, in our communities would recognize the importance of the, those things. Um, it would help us to build character, and it would help us to move forward by building businesses and other and other things. And and you know, the void the void that was created when these organizations became weak is being filled by political parties. And um and and the, you know the with that comes a certain amount of division and divisiveness um, that you don't find. So for example. Uh, it, when I when I was in primary school, we had a forage club. I was never a boys' club, but we had a forage club. And then I went to secondary school, and I got involved in a program called the Duke of Edinburgh Award Scheme. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I know we had right, it in Vincent too, because we, we used to go hiking in different islands, and one time we were right, right, right. And and that that organization was was very instrumental. And then after college, when I went back home. I got involved in the JCS movement. Um, oh yes. Yeah, the JCS movement. JCS is a powerful organization, and and so, Very much so. you know, and, and and what it does, it it gives you the opportunity to have fun. It gives you the opportunity to socialize with your peers while you're learning. So you don't you don't even realize that you're learning because you you're so busy having fun. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think that is a model that you know that can probably replace. Some of, some of this, you know, um, contentiousness and, and strife that we see, because everything now is is so divided among people in terms of color, your party color, who you supporting, and yes. everything. You know? So, so you said you were in politics before. Well, not not that you were in politics before, but you you, you were so deeply involved that you actually um, ran for elections. So I want to talk a little politics with you, but before I do that, I want you to lay the, lay the ground a little bit. Introduce the listeners to the political scene in St. Vincent. When I say that, I mean, who are the major political parties, who are the major political players, um, who's in power right now, you know, the dynamics and so on. Just in a quick nutshell, let's give people a background so that as we talk, they can have a point of reference as to what, what we're talking about when we talk about politics in St. Vincent. Okay, I will, I will just come it into a, a tiny nutshell. Um, I wouldn't go far back. Um, uh, right now, necessary to go back to provide the perspective. Feel free to do that, eh? but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, right now, there are two main political parties 
um, in the forefront in St. Vincent and Grenadines. Um, the Unity Labour Party, led by Ralph, Dr. Ralph Gonzalez, um, who is the current Prime Minister, and um, the New Democratic Party, um, a party which was founded by Sir James Mitchell, um, now retired Prime Minister, and was which was led until quite recently by the Honourable Arnim Eustace, an econom economist of, from Kingston, who ran, runs in the constituency of East Kingston. Um, Mr. Eustace has been elected to that constituency for five different terms, and just last, a couple of weeks ago, he re resigned from being the leader of the opposition and leader of the party and at a convention, a, a New Democratic Party convention held last Sunday, um, the Honorable Dr. Godwin Friday, who runs in the constituency of the Northern Grenadines, has been elected leader and is now the leader of the opposition. Now, so that is the current situation. Last election was held December 9th, 2015. Um, the tradition really continues because after adult suffrage in 1951, um, the two players, major players on the political stage were the People's Political Party led by a veteran um, political figure by the name of Ebenezer Theodore Joshua, a trade, former trade, um, a trade unionist, now deceased, and um, the Labour Party, um, which was led by Honorable Milton Cato, who was the first Prime Minister of St. Vincent and Grenadines. The ULP is a, really, the Unity Labour Party is a, a modified form of the St. Vincent Labour Party. It was, it was a, it's an alliance. It was an alliance formed between the Labour Party, the St. Vincent Labour Party, and another party which was formed by Dr. Ralph Gonzalez called the Movement for National Unity. So, hence the Unity Labour Party. Okay, okay. So that is the way the stage is set at the moment. So, all right. So, yeah, that 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 gives us a good, that gives us a very good perspective. And um, Dr. Ralph Gonzalez has been prime minister. What is his third term, right? This is the fourth. This will be the fourth. The fourth term, and each so, term is each mm -hmm. term is five years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if he, if he completes this term in office, he will have been prime minister for twenty years. Yes. So let's talk term limits for, 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 for a moment. What, what is your opinion of term limits? Well, I mean, <laughs> directly, from, directly from the fact that you might have one man as prime minister for 20 years. What is, what is, what is your perspective on term limits? Well, there have been um, regular dis discussions and debates about on that topic, both here in the diaspora and in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And... Um, There is a view, uh, a very common view that um, it that we should really seriously consider putting caps 
and the amount of time that people, individuals can serve in an office. Right. And I do not know if there will be any sort of a serious vote or consider official consideration on the matter. I don't think it has reached at that level there. Right now in Citizen and Grandview, there's, there's ongoing discussion, but I don't think it has, is at the level where one can perceive the formalization of such a, um, a that political approach in the near future. That you know, say, like it, it, it is not somewhere down the road. Grenada just the My, I, I might be one of I might be one of the um, the strange people on the matter. I'm not sure how the how the percentages will play out in terms of pro and cons. But you can only represent I, I am a, Tell me what you think about it. I, I'm a firm believer in, demo, in the democratic process, and I I do not believe that um, putting term limits on any office really is necessary. I do not believe that putting term limits on a position will reduce corruption, which is what it is. Um, the, the, the proponents of that position um, have con concluded. I am so strong on the democratic process that I honestly believe that who are we or uh, who, who are we who might call ourselves political pundits to tell the, the people how long they should vote for a, 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 an individual if I am satisfied that this individual is doing just what I elected him to do. I do not think I should be denied the right to elect him again. Uh -huh. so, let, me push back, let me push back a little bit on that. <clears throat> um, do, don't you think that um, this, the, the democratic system um, needs checks and balances? I I do believe everything does mm -hmm. d does need um, checks and balances. That's that's I agree with that. But um, checks and balances must not override the wishes of the people. That's a bit interesting discussion because it's the first time I'm having a discussion with someone who. Um, doesn't be, doesn't believe that there's a benefit to term limits, and 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 I must say, I I especially admire you for taking that position because from from the party that you said you you contested the election for, I get the feeling that that is not your party that's in power right now. Well, no, that's not the party I support at the moment. Right, and even even when the and most pe most people support term limits when. <laughs> When they're not in power, when they're favor. <laughs> yeah, it's, and when it's they true, power, don't... they they kind of put it on the back bench. So, so, so yeah, when when they when they're looking at the at the seat, they they say, oh yes, term limit is important. And once they get there, they seem to think, well, no, 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 we don't really need it. Like, oh, but uh, but really, I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced that um, it is not the antidote for um, corruption. 
And um, I, I honestly, I believe so much in the wishes of the people. I, this is the thing. Once an election, once elections are held, free and fair, I do not question the wishes of the people. No, no. I, I will, I, I'm a firm believer in, in protest and challenging elections and so on, where you perceive injustices were done. But once it is crystal clear that there's integrity in an electoral system, it is, I will never, never question the wishes of the people. No, no, listen, let me, I, 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 to steer on that a little bit. You see, you, you said something called free and fair, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think that the party in power has an advantage in elections that affects that free and fair concept. And the longer one person stays in office is the more tainted that aspect of it becomes. That so so it's not even so much that I that it's out and out corruption. So for example, um, in our Caribbean context, where we have probably one main radio station, one main television station, a couple of newspapers, but the biggest one usually. And so the the party in power has an outsized influence on on what can go over the radio, what you, all of that, all of those things. You're familiar with that, and everybody in Caribbean is familiar with that. Not only that, because so many of our positions are appointed, whether whether it's designed to be appointed that way or um, you have people who sit on boards and they, they serve at the pleasure of the prime minister and that sort of thing, that I think that after a while, um, when one person is in power too much, there's so much power consolidated around that person that it doesn't make the election free and fair. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, 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 I like this discussion that we have because as I told you, the first time that I have, you know, really had that discussion with somebody on that level, and especially, uh-huh. especially since, I mean, if if it was your party in power, you could your your argument could be dismissed and say, well, because your party in power, you're happy. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But 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 I, I, you know, it's good that it's not your party in power. And you're aspiring to, to see a change in, in leadership, but at the same time, you say, no, 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 no. Let's, if we are going to have a change, let's have a change through the electoral process, not because we impose an artificial um, right. cap. Right. So, so and, um, what do you think about this consolidation of power um, tinting the, the free and fair aspect of our, our democracy? Well, indeed, um, I, you made a point where the governing party sometimes is able to control the media. I remember the time when, the, the years when there was a single radio station in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Mm-hmm. Now, there are probably about 12, 16 of them. Um, and that time, the, the, of course, the government would try to hog all the airtime and so on. But there lies the, the challenge, the challenges. The politicians who care about the people, the the they they walk in the trenches, they face the challenges, they do whatever has to be done to overcome those things, and they have in the past, and they have traditionally people, politicians who know how to 
know the real trench walk, what I call it, political trench walk, would all would prevail. They, by vote, and that indeed is a test of their commitment to the people because they have to meet the people, they have to interact with them. So that, uh, while you have a point there on that matter, I, I do not let that worry me too much. Okay, one one more thing, uh, one more area I want to raise with you on that is, um, you know, when when a party is in um, is, is is in power, the and you, if I come, if I become prime minister and I know that I only have ten years in which to move my mark on St. Vincent, mm-hmm. I think I have more of an incentive. To perform because I know that I only have ten years. So especially, especially in the second year, I am less inclined to be influenced by the need to get reelected, and I would be more concerned with development that will make that will create a legacy and, and have people um, remember me. So I. I that's that's the other argument that I make for for term limits. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Yeah, that's, that that has some merit. It does have some merit. Um, people have to hurry up and and get certain things in place and and leave a mark. Um, so I agree that 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 does have some merit. Um, however, um, if you if you're convinced that that um, that you're doing um, well and and if you were dealing with the system as it is in the Caribbean now, with uh, most Caribbean, with no term limit, um, then you know you, you'll be confident that you could be reelected. And once you're in touch with the people, you know the people will be saying, "Okay, you follow, you're implementing what we, we promised, and and so on." And, and you can expect to be reelected. So while that I agree that that has some merit to it, I still think it is not as important. It's not important enough. To rid me of my democratic choice. Okay. Now, you know, there was a referendum in Grenada um, last week, I think. They were they were seeking some changes to the constitution. There were a few things that they were yes. seeking. They were seeking to replace the Privy Council with the Caribbean Court of Justice. They were, um, term limit was one. They were trying to limit the Prime Minister's term in office to three terms. And a couple other, um, they were trying to fix the date of election so that the, the the party in power doesn't have the sole control and discretion as to when, as to when, when it will be. When it will be. And there was there was one other thing I don't remember, but there were like five things that they lumped in, and the, the referendum mm-hmm. was defeated. Um, I was, I must say, I was, te- I, I, I was heartbroken because. Um, I, I feel very passionately about the Caribbean Court of Justice. Um, yes, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, and I don't know if, if by putting so many things in that one referendum, that the, the you know the, the message was diluted or it was modeled or something. Um, but I was, I was, I was severely disappointed that. Um, the Grenada people chose to remain with the Privy Council as their as their final court of, of um, appeal instead of going mm-hmm. to the Caribbean Court of Justice. 
I mean, right. what, what, tell me, tell me about the Caribbean because if you're familiar with it or what, or what you think about, um, the Caribbean. Well, let me, let me just, um, backtrack there because we had a similar situation in St. Vincent and Grenadines exactly. a few years ago, right? constitutional change. Yeah. And you see, again, it is the failure of the, the politicians to understand the people and to package, um, the product properly. Um, you, in our case, you do a, rap, a complete change and say, okay, it's all or nothing. And then the people say, boy, this is too much for me to take. And they said, no. Um, and this is, this has happened a lot in, 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 in so many countries and, and, and in referenda. Yeah, now, Antigua, 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 Antigua was going to have their own and they postponed it, thinking that it, it was right. not, it was not so they, they, they didn't educate the people sufficiently to have it. Right, that's true. So, um, but in the, I, I'm a believer in the Caribbean Code of Justice. Um, um, I supported it. Uh, a very good friend of mine, a former political colleague, um, Justice Sanders, he actually became the, the leader of my political party when I contested it after Dr. Gonzalez moved on on his own. And uh, I have studied the, the, the Caribbean Code of, of Justice, the presentations made to the people and why it is a better way to go. And I, I start, at, in the very beginning, I, I stood by that and I, I, I still hold the same view that that is the way I, like, I would like to see the, thing, the whole justice system play out in the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. So I, would en- I encourage people to, to support it. Because you know one of the biggest arguments that we that, that I hear when I talk when I talk to people about the Caribbean Court of Justice is that Caribbean people have a deep distrust for our judicial system. Yeah. Um, they they think that lawyers collude uh, and and magistrates and judges collude to decide who's going to win a case. And um, depending on your social standing, you never you don't stand a chance of 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 um of getting favor, seeing favor in the court. And also, uh, something that's happening in some of the islands is um, there are a number of challenges that people bring to the government that never seem to make it to court. It keeps getting postponed and delayed. I'll give you an example. Just a few years ago, the government of Dominica appointed. Um, certain gentleman to be the, the, the president. And the opposition party decided that they did not follow the procedure correctly according to the, con- the requirements of the Constitution. So they brought the matter to court. You know, that matter was delayed so much that that, that person served two years and left the position before the case was called. And then there are other matters you figure that seem to be more complicated than I think we just you there still right? Okay, I'm sorry. There's there there are I'm sorry about that. We had some <laughs> technical glitch. There are some other matters that seem to be a little more complicated that seem to make it to the court in a matter of, of weeks and months. Um, right. And, and, and so the judicial system in itself, in the way it's functioning, does not inspire a change in attitude of the populace. I don't know if you have that experience in St. Vincent. For example, I know there are some outstanding challenges from the last election that, that still straddle in the court. 
you would think that things right, are right. Yeah, yeah. We have we, we have had experiences like that in St. Vincent and Grenadines, and um, uh, indeed, you know, Anthony, in any jurisdiction, as um, as a system, whether it be a political system, a judicial system, um, there will there will be there will be incidents and there will be issues and there will be um, judges who uh, would be looked upon and politicians who would be looked upon um, less than fair, as being less than fair, and probably quite rightfully so. Those things will happen, um, but indeed we have to trust that over, the, over time that we will be able to develop um, a, a, a court system with with dignity. I think for the most part it is dignified, and um, we have to work and, and pose the necessary challenges by whatever form we might we can as a people to situations where we consider um, justice to be lacking. Um, that is where the civil society has to play a role. Um, we, and this is the other thing about when we discuss the whole thing about term limits. Uh, involved citizenry is important for democracy. You can, that is why, for example, in Cuba after the revolution, they saw it fit to, to have an education revolution in the true sense of the word. Because we have to be involved and challenge things like what you're talking about in whatever form we have to to ensure a just society. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with you. I, I, I think that no matter what kind of issues we may have with our justice system in the Caribbean, it still makes justice more available to our people than the resources yes. it takes to try to bring a case before the Privy Council. I, I agree. I do agree. And so I, I, it's a little bit difficult for me to understand why our governments are having such a hard time selling not, this Yes, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am um, Anthony, you mentioned earlier something about, you know, how we need as a people to visit our neighbors. Um you know, go to the different countries of the Caribbean and so on. And that is something that is dear to my heart. I had the opportunity to visit several Caribbean with the Caribbean, English speaking Caribbean during the time when they had two ships, uh, you, uh, that would have been probably before long before your time. I really um, I was lucky enough to be alive. By, by yeah, yeah, when um, they had when there was a time of federation and the Canadian government had given two ships, um, Federal Palm and Federal Maple, and at one when one ship was traveling north from Trinidad to Jamaica, one would have been traveling from Jamaica to Trinidad. And they would cross, and they would stay a whole day in each country and so on. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I learned to, I got to know the Caribbean. And with, one of the things I'm involved in in Toronto now, you talk, you said you spoke with John Allen, a former Council General of St. Kitts, who lives here in in Toronto. Right, and we have an organization here, the OECS, um, Council Canada, um, which is a, uh, an organization that supports the OECS, the, 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 the development of the OECS as it stands right now. Because I remember the youth 
when the as a uh, little guy in elementary school when the um, federation was dissolved and it's a story I speak of all the time because I recall my head teacher, Mrs. Parsons. She, Ms. Parsons, she came into the assembly and she said you know, she 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 would always read the news and tell us what was going on and so on. And uh, this particular day, she came in and she just went on the stage and she made one single announcement. She said, "Children, the federation is dissolved." And she bowed her head and walked to her office. I did not understand the serious. Mm-hmm. I, I did not understand the seriousness of it. But later on, I realized what we had lost. And so, with the OECS as it is now, I hope it will survive. And from the point of view of the OECS Council. We encourage the people in the diaspora and we encourage the people in the Secretariat and in the countries at home to stand firm behind this, 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 um, what we have, um, this loose federation as it is now. And hopefully one day it will blossom into a wonderful federation, one country, one people. That, that is my absolute dream. Uh, you know, um, because when, with the things that we do together, we do it so well. I mean, the, there's no yes. there's no other body in the world that functions as well as Eastern Caribbean Central Bank in terms of in terms of right. a, a, a multi sovereign you know sovereign nations um, governing one single currency. The Europeans are not, are not able to do it well. You know, um, they, they, none no other body in the world is able to do it that way. And even in no, the Caribbean no. Court of Justice, in the in the area that it functions in terms of um, the governing of the of the Treaty of Chagaramas, they 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 do an excellent job. Um, so so yes. I, I really hope we can realize that dream one of these days. I really really hope we can realize that dream. I had the I had the opportunity to um, you recall that recently, well not recently but more. In, in our time now, with, where you would be aware, <laughs> not the Federation time, the CARICOM, CARICOM had a commission. Right. Yes, um, where they visited people all over the Caribbean, when Caribbean and wherever they are across the world. And I had the great privilege of um, making a presentation on behalf of the St. Vincent and Grenadines Association of Toronto to the, to the CARICOM commission right. as to the way forward. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was reading the, the report, that CARICOM report, um, earlier this week, and the, the motto on that report, let all ideas contend. And so we, as a OECS people, this conversation that we are having now with all the with people, the listeners and yourself, this conversation that we are constantly having here in Toronto, and the conversation that happens in the schools and in the town halls and in the rum shops of the Eastern Caribbean, whether it be in Dominica, whether it be in Grosile, St. Lucia, whether it be in Satyas, in Grenada, we will need to continue this conversation and keep it on the, on the table. Let our politicians know that we are serious about this. Let our politicians realize that this is our only way forward. When we were talking federation um, 
other people were not talking get coming together. Then we back this band federation, and now everybody European Union is coming. Everybody is coming together. You recognize that the way forward, and so I encourage the listeners to have this conversation and push for the continued OECS union to develop. And 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 to push that point further in terms of what we can achieve. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Cuba. I know we're running short on time, but we get a little extra time from the producer. Um, okay. Outside the outsized influence that Cuba has been able to have on the world in Africa, in terms of fighting apartheid and, and colonialism, and all, and you know, despite despite so much, um, you know, you, you say opposition from the from the Great United States. I, I don't know if you if you want to take the opportunity to say something about Castro. You know that we have to mark his passing. Well, I, I'm really uh, that's very thoughtful of you to, to open um, that window to give me this opportunity. I was I, I will really I will start off from a personal level. I um I was speaking with my brother earlier this week, yesterday, and. I told him a story about our father. Um, my father was a, a peasant farmer, but can hold an argument with any philosopher, professor, extremely knowledgeable about his community and so on. And as a little boy, I heard him talk about the Cuban Revolution, and to him, it was a sad thing. And then... A few years later, I went, I was, I was in the city, I was working, no, I was going to teacher's college, and um, I went home to my village, and we were talking, and my father said, you know, this Castro guy, he's not a bad leader after all. And I was surprised, I was pleasantly surprised, my father had come around in just a few years when all the leaders throughout the world had not come around and absolved the great leader. Right. Castro did say, you may condemn me now, you will, but history will absolve me. And I listen as the years go by, different countries absolve him. And I'm saying, my father had absolved him so many years ago, and I felt really proud. So to me, now is the time of mourning, and a time, in a sense, and a time of celebration for the life of uh, the most iconic political leader of our time, undoubtedly the most iconic political leader of our time. Mm -hmm. um, who to tell what would have been the, South, the situation in South Africa today with apartheid had not, had not the Cuban um, arm of grace reached out to countries in, 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 in the African continent, and in lost, Mozambique, and, and so on. And thousands of men in the process. Great sacrifice. Yes. Of course, they lost thousands of men. It, it is no wonder that when Nelson Mandela left South Africa after he became part of the first country he went to was Cuba. Right. It is no wonder. So I noticed that the Prime Minister of Canada has, is taking a lot of um, licks from different, some constituents here and some boldface politicians in the United States for saying that the man was a remarkable leader. Fortunately for us in Canada, this 
Prime Minister, his father, saw through all of, saw all of that and realized that he was a, an iconic and remarkable leader and supported the, the Cuban Revolution in the sense that we, Canada never um, broke any relationship with Cuba, but threatened it, actually. So of that, from a point of view of my second country, my adopted country, Canada, I am proud of that. It took a long time for St. Vincent and the Grenadines to come around. As mass, the first prime minister to visit uh, Cuba was um, Sir James Mitchell, um, the first connection with Cuba. Prior to that, it was um, stuff, um, materials from out of Cuba, grandma, newspaper. You, got to, you had to hide it to get a copy of grandma. Those were banned items. Right. But like the good leader said, generally speaking, throughout this world, history has absolved him. And uh, I am a proud supporter of the Cuban Revolution. I am happy and thankful for what they have done for people across the world. And may the great leader rest in peace. I couldn't have said it better. And, you know, the only thing I can add to that is that Castro after the revolution, the first country he visited was the United States. And, yes. And, and yes, that's correct. <laughs> and, and the United States rejected him. And, and he, didn't, he didn't have a choice um, to protect the sovereignty right. of his country. He didn't have a choice but to close ranks and to, and, and to protect his country. The, the, other thing, right, the other analogy I want to draw to Cuba, and I'm not saying that in any way to denigrate my Haitian brothers and sisters, but Haiti gave us an example during slavery of, of a successful revolt and the, the economic powers that be turned on them and they're still paying for it today. Yeah, right. And Cuba gave us an example of how we could fight colonialism and, and conquer colonialism. And Castro was able to withstand the buffeting winds that the, the colony powers threw at him and hence, there's the difference in plight between Cuba and Haiti. And, and to right. me, that thought in my head is enough for me to absolve Castro and to hold him up as, as you said, undoubtedly the greatest, the greatest leader um, you know, the, of, of our time. Like, yes. you know, imagine, you just imagine for a moment what he could have done with Cuba if he wasn't stifled and crippled by the great United States. Was just if he was not stifled, if Cuba was not stifled, imagine, just imagine, just imagine what he could have done. It's correct. Certainly. Now, the last thing before we go, mm. well, Barbados is celebrating this week. Barbados is celebrating today, I think, actually. Barbados is celebrating their 50th um, anniversary of independence. Independence. And I know we, we have a few listeners from Barbados. I know um, because of your organizational work in Toronto and otherwise, you, you most likely have a few um, Bajan brothers and sisters who you may want to yes. um, extend congratulations to. So let's do that. Well, definitely. Um, I was speaking to someone earlier this week and I was talking about, or oh, actually I called home to St. Vincent and the Grenadines and make some remarks on a station called Nice Radio. And... Uh, I was saying that um, independence, that democracy like independence, 
needs to be protected, promoted, and guarded. Not It's not something when you have arrived and you achieve, and so now we're here. And I, I, so I always say um, independence and democracy need standards. And so my only message today to the people of Barbados, 19, what, what it was, 66. Yes, 66. Um, it's a proud moment for a proud people and a proud nation. And during this time, we have witnessed some good leaders, many good leaders, and when I, good leadership, I would say, out of Barbados. And independence has been protected and solved very well. I want to congratulate my Barbadian friends and people as a whole for their achievements and their success. After all, they are close neighbors, just a hundred miles separate St. Vincent and Grenadines from Barbados. And um, I know there are quite a few um, Vincentians who have studied and are studying and living in Barbados and who have held up um, the, the, the traditions of Barbados having lived there. And I want to extend the warmest congratulations to them on this very important day and wish them continued success, knowing that the success of their independence depend, depends very much on their participation and their involvement and being a vanguard for the cause. Certainly. So, I mean, I, that's all. Uh, you, you spoke on my behalf and on behalf of everybody. Congratulations to the people of Barbados on the celebration of the 50th um, anniversary of independence. Now, um, last little thing, do the organizations that you, you, you belong to in Toronto, are you guys having any activities or functions coming up that you would like to promote or tell people about? Well, no major activity at, at this time. Um, you know, the St. Vincent and Grenadines Association, uh, funny things, I believe that's one of the um, reasons for their continued survival. That it is enshrined within the constitution of that organization. You shall meet on the last Sunday of every month. That is enshrined. Not many organizations, I don't know if any other organization like that, where a time for meeting is in the constitution. So the last Sunday of every month is in Vincent Grenadines Association meets. So if there's any um, if there are any listeners out there in Toronto who need to attend the meeting the last Sunday, um, you may go to the vincitoronto.com website. All the information is there, contacts and place of meeting and so on. vincitoronto.com. Please um, V-I-N-C-Y or V-I-N-C-Y? V-I-N-C-Y. So vincitoronto.com. Right. All right. So, so there you have it. Another, another, another hour. Very, you know, interesting conversation. I, I, we could go on for hours. So, so let oh, me yes. say <laughs> that um, you have to promise to come back, so we can we can continue our conversation. There's so much um, topics and and subjects of importance and interest to our people that we can talk about. 
So I want to thank you for for coming on and um and 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 say I um I was delighted coming in and I'm excited going out. I, I really enjoyed having you on the program. Well, thank you very much, Anthony. Um, I I make uh, I make a commitment to you this day that I will be happy to come again. I will come again once the message is going to be getting out to the people and it's going to help us to move forward as as a people and especially as um, Caribbean peoples and as particularly OECS nation that I'm looking forward to in, in my future, in my dreams. So thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. Thank you so much and have a good night. Well, Thanks. listeners, there you have it. <laughs> Another... Um, brilliant conversation. I feel so fortunate and so and so and, and lucky to to be able to to talk to people who have accomplished and have done so much, and and I have you know the distinct pleasure of sharing those conversations with you. Let me remind you that if you go on tdnradio.net, um, you can find podcasts of all of our past our past programs. Um, so you can go on there and and listen to the different programs that we've had. Every once in a while, I replay certain conversations um, depending on what's going on. Uh, also, um, our our sister organization, TDN TV, TDNTV.net. Um, you know, we bring um, local news from Dominica and also regional news on a daily basis. So, TDNTV.net. Hopefully, one of these days, we can organize to get some um, news from some of the other sister islands. But, but for now, you can go to tdntv.net and we, we get all the local programming from Dominica, including, including the news. Um, I want to say thank you to you for listening. Thank you for, for making me part of your, of your Wednesday night. I, I really um, appreciate the fact that if all your busy schedule and your attention that you, you agree to, to be with us. And um, we'll see you next week Wednesday. Thank you to my producer and engineer, Sam who keeping everything live. I want to say thank you to Miss Nicole Georges. She definitely, um, uh, you know, pointed us in the direction, making recommendations for, for persons um, who are excellent candidates for, for, for this speaking interview. I have some um, of my classmates, my classmates from grammar school who listen on a regular basis. I want to say a shout, special shout out to you and good night to you. Um, this is a sad week for us. Um, those of us who graduated from grammar school in 1983 um, graduated with um, Clement, Clement Isidore. Unfortunately, he passed away um, this weekend. Um, very, very sad state of affairs for sure. May his soul rest in peace. But of course, he, um, maybe his spirit and Castro might, uh, might be finding their way together. So he might be having an exciting time. Um, Clement, may you rest in peace. Well, um, we strength and grace to your family and to all my fellow classmates. Um, you know, let's let's just be strong in his remembrance. So let me say good night. This has been this week in interview with your host Anthony Drago, and I will see you next week Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll have another installment of this week in interview. Good night. Mm-hmm.